this week, we're going to start a series that's going to carry us for the next six weeks or so. I kind of like to do something during the summer that's a little more long-winded because folks just tend to be a little bit more in and out. And I also really like to do something through a book during the summer. So this week, we're going to start a series that we're going to call A Day with God. And the premise is really simple. Over the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at the most simple, the most routine and mundane parts and rhythms of our day and try to figure out where God is in the midst of those moments. Recently, I have been struck with what I think is a truth. We're going to flesh it out together over these next couple of weeks, but that there is no moment, no task, no routine that is too small in our day to not reflect God's work or glory or presence in our lives. I think I've just been hit with the importance for us to to be sure to be leaning into our faith even in the smallest moments of our life. And how even in the daily grind, when we kind of lose ourselves in the rhythms of our, of our day, there should be no parts of our lives that we consider to be purely secular, right? I think the sacred is always there with us. We just oftentimes miss it. This idea for this series kind of popped in my head when I was reading a book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. Maybe some of you have heard of this book. It came out a couple, a couple of years ago. It's by an Anglican pastor named Tish Harrison Warren. And in the book, she works to connect the liturgical practices of the church that we do as a faith community together to our daily lives that we live in our families and in our workplaces and and in our homes. But she makes the point that if we pay attention, every little moment of our day is a chance for us to live our faith. And we're going to do something really similar in this series. I wanted to call it A Day with God because I've done my best to track the themes through a typical day that we might live during the work week. So today we're going to look at the moment that we wake up, that we're lying in bed trying to peel our eyes open. And then we're going to take a look at the moment when we brush our teeth. I promise it's going to be good, y'all. You should come back. We're going to look at the moment that we brush our teeth because I'm trusting we all at least brush our teeth in the morning, right? Maybe not all of us before bed, but all of us brush our teeth when we wake up. I'm, I'm going to trust that. We're going to talk about the moments in our day when we find ourselves in an argument, when we eat leftovers for lunch, when we get stuck in traffic, and finally at the end of the day when we're seeking to lie our heads down and and maybe find some rest. Again, all with the goal of helping us see that there is no moment in our day, no matter how mundane it may seem, that is not an opportunity for us to live our faith in in some aspect, and perhaps even to grow closer to Christ. And I'm excited. I, I think this is gonna this is gonna be good. Shout out to Nick Elam. He's the guy that was playing drums and playing slide guitar. He also made that logo. He is a man of many many talents, making this series look way cooler than it actually is. And I'm greatly appreciative. Okay, let's get started. We're gonna uh, turn to our scripture reading. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. It's gonna be a familiar text to a few of you, I think. Uh, But my hope is that we'll be able to see something new in it this morning. It's Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? 
But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John the Baptist, consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw God's spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Nine times out of 10, I wake up pretty slowly in the mornings. I think Madison would affirm that. Madison is my wife. I wake up pretty slowly in the mornings, don't I? Since having our son read, Madison has become one of those absolute maniacs that is at the gym, not awake, but at the gym by 5 a.m. for a for a workout. And I am still in the bed snoozing my alarms, however many it takes, right? Some mornings it's three, sometimes five, sometimes nine, right? I mean, I'm a big time snoozer and you may be laughing, but I know you are too. I know we all have it in us. And I'm kind of like that even when I have a busy or a stressful day. Typically, I will still wake up slowly. It's not something I really love about myself. I've tried to change it before. And for seasons, I have been, I think, like semi-successful in that. I kind of wish I was different. I wish I would just pop out of bed and be ready for the day, right? But it's just not really who I am. Typically, I am slow to rise. And if I'm being honest, there is just something that I love about just lying still for those first few moments of the day, waiting for my, for my eyes to orient to the daylight that may be coming in the room, not having very many thoughts in my head that I have to shuffle through quite, quite yet. My, like my to-do list still hasn't popped in my head yet. I don't, I don't really remember what all I have coming up for the day ahead. Even my body in those moments still feels stiff from the stillness of sleep, and I just get to lay there and be still. It's in those moments where I I feel like I have to face and be with who I am at my very basic self. Because the truth is that whether we are kids or we are top executives or we're small business owners or we're unemployed, we all wake up the same way every single morning. Our hair is a mess. Our breath stinks. Most of us wake up hungry or, or thirsty. And I'm betting that all of us deep down wish that we could have what? Five more minutes. Come on, I know that y'all are with me, right? You may act like you love waking up in the morning, but I know you're with me. We all think, what would happen if I just laid here for five more minutes? And don't get me wrong, right? In just a few minutes, all of us will get buttoned up into our identities as students or as people with big big grown-up jobs. And we'll spend our days as conservatives or liberals or rich or poor or fun-loving or serious or cynical or optimistic. You get it, right? I mean, we go separate ways pretty quickly in, in the morning. But just for a moment, when we all emerge from sleep, we're really nothing too impressive. And we're really not all that different from, from our neighbor. It's in those moments where I feel like we're just, we're just vulnerable, just trying to wrap our minds around another day, 
blinking our eyes to try and adjust to the light, waiting on our brains to start firing on all cylinders, perhaps dreaming of the smell of coffee, but knowing you have to get up and actually get it going yourself. In, in the book, this moment of waking, that, that very moment where you're lying in bed, adjusting to the day, waiting for your brain to wake up, moving the stiffness out of your body, it's that liminal space that we all spend time in, that moment gets compared to Jesus's baptism. In chapter 3 of Matthew, this, this baptism of Jesus, it happens, it happens pretty early in the story. In fact, up to this point in the Gospel of Matthew, we have heard about the birth of Jesus and read the birth story. We have read about how Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt with Jesus to escape from Herod because, remember, he wanted to kill all of the infant boys because he had heard word of the Messiah being born. And then we learn that after they flee to Egypt, they eventually make their home in Nazareth, and that's where they raise Christ. And that's it, y'all. That is all that we hear of Jesus up to this point in Matthew's gospel. That's all that we know. Those are all of the stories that we have about him before we get to this point with Jesus and John the Baptist at uh, at at the Jordan River. And when I saw that this week, I think I realized for the first time that this is before Jesus has healed anyone. This is before he's resisted Satan in the wilderness. This is before he's eaten with sinners. This is before he called any fishermen. This is before he feeds the multitude or before he casts demons out into a herd of swine. This moment is before he does any of that. It's really before he does anything at all that we, that we know of. And despite all of that, God, in this moment, declares that Christ is his beloved son. And not only that, he says that this is the one with whom he is well pleased. Doesn't that seem out of order to you? Wouldn't it make way more sense if we had this father's announcement coming from God directed at Christ coming after something major that Jesus has just done in, in his ministry? Like maybe after raising Lazarus from the dead? Or maybe after he defeats death himself and puts the tomb behind him. But instead of that, we get Jesus in this moment squinting at the sun, sand in between his toes, wet and messed up hair, right? Wearing something that he must have not minded getting wet, maybe even hungry for lunch. I don't know. But receiving this declaration from from the Father of love and of pride, And of course, we know that Jesus goes on to do some pretty incredible stuff, doesn't he? It's from the waters of baptism that he goes into the desert and faces Satan. And then after that, he begins his public ministry where he loves and heals and preaches and teaches and and rebukes and redeems all in miraculous and unexpected ways. But, But in this moment... As he comes out of the water and receives that blessing from the Father, I think what we see is that Jesus' ministry doesn't earn the Father's love. It begins with and is rooted in the Father's love. I think there's a really big difference between those two things. One of my favorite things about being a pastor is getting the chance to baptize 
babies. I mean, I absolutely love baptizing a child. Because before they cognitively understand the story of Christ, before they even know what a creed is, before they can feed themselves, before they can sit up or use the bathroom, before they can contribute to society in any way whatsoever, a word of grace is spoken over them. And they're accepted into the life of the church, the life of a body of believers. Despite what they haven't done and despite what they can't yet do, they are counted as God's people in that moment before they have anything to show for themselves. We use the phrase, remember your baptism, a lot around here. It's something that I encourage you to do almost every week when we come up and receive Holy Communion. Every week, right? You walk right by our baptismal font. I give the same spiel, don't I? And I encourage you to dip your fingers into the water and remember your baptism. Maybe even making the sign of the cross with the water on your forehead. I can't even say it without finishing my spiel. Sometimes I worry, though, that when you hear me say that, what you think I'm asking you to do is to remember the event itself, to actually try and remember the day that the waters of baptism washed over you. And for some of you, if you're like me, that happened when you were a baby. So you can't remember it. It may seem like a rhetorical thing to ask you to say, remember your baptism, but in your head you're saying, oh, look, I was six months old when I was baptized. There's no way that I can actually remember that moment. But that's not really what we're asking you to do. We're not asking you to remember that historical event of your baptism. Instead, what what I hope you do every week when you come forward and, and you touch that water is that you remember that grace that was spoken over you. You remember God calling you his child. That you remember the love that God has for you. That you remember that that before you could earn it, before you had even begun trying to do anything to deserve it, right? Before you were even aware of most of it, God chose you. That's what I hope you remember. What God did for you in in that moment. Because I think when we remember, we are reminded that those promises from God, they're still being made to us today. That really, if we're honest with ourselves, not much has changed. We still don't deserve it. The older we get, at least for me, the older I get, the more I realize that there's nothing I could do to earn it. And yet, God still speaks that grace to us anyway. And I don't think there is a better time in our day to reflect on that truth than the few moments that we spend laying in our bed each morning wishing for five more minutes of sleep. It's in that moment that for us as Christians, we can remember that we wake every morning with our identity already decided for us. It's an identity that that doesn't rely on the works of our hands or how much money we make or what our jobs are. It's an identity given to us through God's grace, an identity that goes all the way back to the moment of our baptism. 
It's something that we can hold tightly to, knowing that before we even roll out of bed each day, before we check anything off of our to-do list with our messed up hair and our empty brains and our dry mouth, before we even shake that dragon breath, y'all, before any of that, we are first and foremost a beloved child of God. My hope is that throughout this series, you would begin to look at the little moments that make up your day, maybe just, just a little bit differently. That maybe this week, when you're lying in bed with heavy eyelids, beginning to think about what the day has to hold, you can remember for, for just a moment that before anything else, you are loved by God. That your life, that your week, that your day that it is not lived in order to earn the love of God. Rather, all of those things are rooted in and flow from that, that love, something that we are reminded of each and every morning. My hope is that you would remember your baptism. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in The Gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.